Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. Today, I'm joined once again by Jordan Williams. How you doing today, Jordan? You know, I'm living, breathing. Another day, another dollar. Yep, we're talking football. That's, that, that's how I feel. We're talking football. We're about to watch football because we're going to the spring game. So, you know. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, uh, over 50,000 tickets were sold for the spring game. I don't think that's going to set any spring game records. We're not like one of those schools trying to get one of those false records. I think they're just trying to have good vibes around the players. And we'll see a little energy, I think, in the horseshoe tomorrow. So I'm very excited for the opportunity. This is going to be my first game in the stadium Oh, man, I don't even remember my last game, to be honest. It was three years ago. Whatever game we finished uh, Justin Fields' first year with uh, was it Michigan. It was whoever we played before Michigan, so probably Penn State or something or Wisconsin was my last game in the horseshoe. But uh, it's going to be my first game back. Uh, little pressure, obviously. They're playing each other. Uh, but it's exciting. Uh, so, yeah, Buckoff will be there. Me and Jordan will both be there. Uh, I know quite a bit of people responded to my tweet saying they're going to be there, so it's going to be a good time. Uh, 
Uh, one of the big aspects of the spring game is going to be the honoring of Dwayne Haskins. Uh, so we haven't got to talk about that on this show yet. Uh, it broke the day after the episode last week released. Uh, obviously, we've seen the vigil. It's very sad uh, seeing the response towards Dwayne in his passing. I think it left a lot. I mean, everyone got to kind of express like Dwayne Haskins uh, was a guy who brought a lot of life and joy to the sport. And I think that's sad when you lose people who just try to bring optimism and everyone brought up his smile. And that's just kind of something I took away. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Jordan, uh, I know it's tough conversation uh, anytime this happens, but immediate thoughts when that happened, uh, kind of how'd you, how'd that make, how, I mean, how'd that make you feel when it happened, when you heard the news? Um, I mean, honestly, I was shocked. Um, it's just way too much that's going on personally. Uh, it's, I mean, he's 24. Uh, he, you know, had a lot of life left to live and, from what everyone was saying and what everyone who knew him, family, friends, people in the program. I mean, I listened to a podcast where one of the reporters from the Washington football team was talking about him. I mean, he was a great person. And so he was a great football player. Um, and it's just kind of sad how it happened. Um and it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it's hard to talk about just because, you know, dealing with, you know, death in my life personally. And then, you know, it's just it's a lot, a lot going on. But it's very sad. Um, and you it's always sad when someone young dies, no matter who it is. Um, and, and someone that a lot of people looked up to, that a lot of people believed in, that obviously a lot of people loved and that he loved back. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just it's one of those things that's really tough. But, you know, it's tough as you know, random people. It's tough in general. It's tough as fans, people who who watched him uh, grow as an Ohio State player, but obviously it's way tougher on his family. I didn't know he was married, so uh, he is. So condolences, obviously, to his wife, um, to his family, mothers, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, uh, to his teammates, especially the teammates who were with him, working out with him, preparing for the season and that kind of stuff. Uh, So, yeah, just it's just tough all around yeah absolutely a tragic situation like you said anytime a young person passes in any walk of life it's incredibly saddening and you know i think i think a lot of this obviously this conversation started sad but throughout the week with the vigil and hearing all the positive stories about Dwayne Haskins, you know it was hard i mean like even sort of putting out a tweet like i know a lot of people I grieve in different ways and all that stuff. Uh, I, I just kind of felt um, wasn't really a place to really put out writing towards it outside of condolences, you know, but I, I have thought about it quite a bit because I know this is an important, this is important to a lot of people uh, outside of his close relatives, his close friends and family, like thousands and millions of people have watched him play a sport and he's given people a lot of memories. And, you know, when I found out the news, it was Saturday morning. 
I was just walking to get some pastries with my girlfriend. And like, it literally was news that like stopped me in my tracks. Cause it was so shocking to hear, you know, 24 years old, you know, every report you heard Dwayne Haskins was starting to turn the corner and become more of a professional when it came to his football play. Uh, everything you heard from him out of Pittsburgh, he was like a cornerstone piece of the community. And that's kind of all you ever heard about him, you know, up until his time in Washington. And I think we could start looking at his time in Washington a lot differently with what's come out of there. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the one thing, you know, and it's, it, it took a, it took me a long time to kind of understand this, you know, when an athlete passes away, like, um, I didn't know him personally, but I was deeply like saddened by it. And, you know, I think one thing I thought about a lot was when I was in school, Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback at Ohio state and every part of my college experience that surrounded a football game, Dwayne Haskins was a huge significant part of it. He like one of my favorite memories was the Penn state game when he led the comeback, you know, we were on the road, but we were all just watching the game sitting around the TV and, you know, even though I never met Dwayne personally, we share that memory. Like I share that memory with all my friends because of Dwayne Haskins. And now that memory is different. And that's something that's kind of hard to come to terms with. And, you know, I just, I just really want to send love to his family. I know there's still a lot more memorial stuff going on for him in Pittsburgh with his family and for those people close to him. Uh, but it was it was not exciting is the wrong word, but it, it I it comes like I feel like there's some optimism towards the energy he's brought in the unity he brought. And it sucks that it usually takes some negative news or some something bad happening for people to become unified. And but it is always nice to see people coming together, even in sad situations. Yeah. I saw um, I saw something that someone had said, and, and they essentially said something along the lines of he left a legacy at 24. And, you know, that that says a lot about his life. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be like to be 24 and to leave a lasting legacy means a lot. And for every like, you know, for everything to be positive and for but not only for everything to be positive because people tend to be positive you know when people pass but for it to be positive and for it to also be true and for you know so many people to have actual like personal anecdotes it's not like oh he was a great guy it was like he was a great guy because he did this for me he did this for this person he looked out for this he cared about this we had this conversation he treated me this way this that and the third like you could tell like it wasn't this like fake outpouring of like oh someone passed let's be nice it was like genuine you know this was a great a great guy um a great man and you know he'll be missed by a lot of people yeah, and, you know, it always – I mean, we didn't want to start the show on a somber note, but I know this is just definitely something we wanted to talk about. And, yeah, I mean, um, as always – I mean, not as always. Uh, I mean, condolences to the Haskins family, to Buckeye Nation, everyone, the coaching staff. I know this – you could see it in Ryan Day's face when he was talking about it. Like, it, it's an incredibly tough situation. I know – uh, his roommate and former teammate, Corey Curtis. Uh, not a lot of people remember him because he was a walk-on, but 
uh, you know, his story really resonated because I, I think the impact he had on his teammates to the people in the community was just really just emboldened in the comments people were making about him, like you said. And that's just truly, uh, you're right, the legacy at 24, uh, something we as people shouldn't take for granted. And I think it's why I'm excited they're honoring them during the uh, spring game. Uh, it's going to be, they got the helmet decal, you know, the little things you can do just to, to bridge the gap from, you know, that just coming to terms with that. And uh, it, it's a tough conversation, uh, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, I don't even know where to go from here, honestly, with it. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see where the program goes. Uh, obviously, I know they'll do something throughout the season. You know, they'll they'll most likely have a, a decal or something similar. Uh, I wonder if it goes a little bit further than that, just with what he meant to the program. Yeah, one of those kind of obviously, like they're not going to retire the number. First of all, CJ Stroud's wearing the number currently, and yeah, Ohio State doesn't retire them. numbers, but. If, if they do something kind of like what they did with the block O, you know, something that honors him. Yeah. Um, Long term. Right before, I, yeah, right before I went to Kent state, uh, we had an offensive lineman who died. Uh, and I apologize. I can't think of his name right now, but his number was 54. And so Kent state does something like that with the block O. And so they give it to the offensive lineman that they think embodies him the most. And so they wear 54. So uh, I don't know if they'll fully do that with seven, especially again with Stroud wearing it, but it'll just be interesting to see if they do something more long term uh, and, and you think you know maybe they will because everyone uh, especially all the offensive coaches were obviously there for him and you know he as a lot of people have said his legacy at Ohio State is he's really the he turned us into the offensive juggernaut you know yeah. like do you get Justin Fields if he doesn't watch Dwayne Haskins throw for 50 touchdowns yeah. and break Every record, like, um, are you recruiting if you don't have Haskins, these five yeah. five star recruits in like five consecutive classes without Dwayne? Because we weren't getting passers like this before that, right? And then it just you know, boom, you get Justin Fields, and after Justin Fields, you get uh, CJ, and you get um, you get um, Jack, and then you get Quinn, and then you get um, Kyle. Uh, well, Kyle was before Quinn, obviously. But regardless, you get all these big time. You get all these Devin. You get all these big time quarterbacks directly after, you know. Um, and with the big time quarterbacks comes the big time wide receivers, and it becomes a domino effect. But for a lot of people, you need to see it. And Dwayne Haskins was the proof. You know, it was we're doing something yeah. different here in the new Ohio state. Yeah. And Ryan Day even said it himself. He doesn't know if he gets the job. He doesn't know if the offense looks like it does now without Dwayne. And those are all little things as well, but like lasting legacy, that's, that's Dwayne Haskins. And, um, you know, there's going to be three parts of Dwayne Haskins. You've got the football player, uh, the person and the family man. And, those three parts all kind of make them up. And as fans, we got to share that football player with them. And I'm going to cherish those memories that I made with my friends watching him play for a very long time. 
Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I agree one hundred percent. And it'll be it'll be sad, but it'll be good to watch some of those those rerun games and uh, some of them, whether he was you know with us or not, were already Buckeye classics. Like we were already going to watch him come in in the third quarter against Michigan for the next fifty years. But it's just gonna it's gonna mean a little bit more. Yep. Now. Yeah, and you know it's it's. It's one of those uh, one of those stories you never thought you'd see, and like uh, we're we're here, and I I don't think I have much more to say on it. Uh, I I mean just one final sending of condolences to the Haskins family and those of his friends around him. Uh, I can't imagine what you're going through personally, and uh, I just hope that. If you're religious, you find your faith and uh, can find comfort in that. And, you know, however you go about that, you sort of find the acceptance and stuff that comes with that. Yeah, 100 percent. And I'll just say this. I don't know, you know, the age range of the people who listen to this, uh, but if you are around our age, uh, so mid 20s to mid 30s uh there have been a lot of people who have died that i would imagine that you're fans of recently uh kobe Dwayne haskins mac miller young Dolph, like a lot of people who you don't expect to have died and so i this i don't remember why we talked about this before but this goes back to just like you know taking care of yourself taking care of your family you know uh seeking out therapy if you think it's necessarily necessary um and just you know living the best life that you can because you never know, you know, when it's going to be taken away. And I hope that, you know, we all get to a place where we can leave a legacy of our own amongst our family and friends and be well-remembered. So uh, that's kind of depressing, but, you know, just a reminder to, to live life to its fullest because you never know when it can be taken away. Um, and appreciate the people who genuinely care and love and appreciate you and that you genuinely care, love and appreciate. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we're going to take, I mean, not a break, but I'm going to probably give you guys five seconds before we come into the next conversation, just because uh, that was some heavy stuff. And I know in uh, therapy, that's kind of how you do it. You go into some heavy stuff, you take a quick break and then, uh, we get into another conversation topic. So, All right, guys. Uh, welcome back. Um, uh, today uh, we we just went into Dwayne Haskins uh, hashtag LLDH Long Live Dwayne Haskins. Uh, that's the one I've been seeing trending around. Um, you know, little things like that. But I, I know CJ Stroud put that on his jersey. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be. Uh, interesting when the spring game comes and we see more of what they do for Dwayne, but uh, we're going to get into the spring game conversation right now. Um, you know, it's going to, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a huge opportunity to see some Ohio state players for the first time. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity to see how far some of these guys that might not have been in the rotation last year uh, have come in the season and in the off season. 
uh, so far. And we're going to get to see a new defensive coaching staff, and we're going to kind of get to define the pecking order a little bit uh, when it comes to the offense and defensive depth charts. And this is a real first look of a lot of new things, a lot of old things. And uh, to get this conversation started, uh, I wanted to go through a couple things we're going to be excited uh, about with this spring game coming up. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, what are you excited to watch in the spring game, Jordan? What's the first thing you're looking forward to? Um, this is fake football in a way. Uh, it's a, a glorified seven on seven. So in in that, I'm most looking forward to wide receivers versus DBs for a couple of reasons. Well, I mean, first of all, the best wide receivers in the country versus highly recruited um, defensive backs that you hope get back to the point where we can confidently say that the best DBs in the country is always a fun matchup. But also, there's only arguably three established people. Like we've over, we've glossed over that because, like, you know of the recruiting and Brian Hartline and that kind of stuff. But there are three established people in that position and both position groups. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's Denzel Burke and it's Ronnie Hickman. Everyone else is either injured, not established or young. Marvin Harrison only had one game. I mean, it was a spectacular game, but it was one game. Emeka Egbuka has made a couple of plays. Julian Fleming's best plays have been ruled, not catches. Um, Obviously we haven't seen anything from Caleb Burton, Caleb Brown, any of those guys. We have a lot of faith in them, but like we haven't seen it. Yep. Right? DB, we have six corners. Um, we know what Cameron uh, Brown is, but he's not spectacular. I think he's a lot better than people think he is. I think he, he as he stays healthy, is like a third round pick, has a decent career, you know, eight, eight year career, you know, something like that. Gets his second contract. Um, but we haven't seen. Jordan Hancock and Jaqueline Johnson. And those were those were the big recruits that we got. It wasn't Denzel Burke. And all we hear is good things about them, about their progression, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then at safety, we kind of maybe get a little bit to get to see what the safety looks like. But, um, you know, we know what Ronnie Hickman's going to do. But at every other position, it's either injured or it's young guys. Like, I want to see Kai Stokes. I want to see Andre Torrentine. I want to see, um, you know, some of those other guys. Lathan Ransom. Well, he's not. He's injured. He's not going to be there. But also, I think, especially in, 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 with safety, uh, and one of the other ones I'm going to bring up after you go, that is going to be where we start to see people transfer. I mean, we've already seen one person transfer in Legend Cavazos. Uh if he is healthy, which I think he is, I really want to see Cam Martinez. Uh, I think you'll remember this. I was calling for Cam Martinez to be the starting nickel last year. I think he was the best person we had in coverage in the nickel, and he showed that when they played him like that, and then they just didn't play him. Yeah. No. And they played Legend and, and, and some of these other guys. So I'm excited to see Cam Martinez. Uh, and I think I, I said this before we recorded, but – I think Cam Martinez is going to be the starting safety by game six, starting nickel. I I could see, you know, just understanding the defense, you know, 
seniority, whatever, I could very much see Tammy McAllister starting the season. Uh, but by the end of the season, um, I think Cameron Martinez is going to be a starter because I think he is one of the best DBs that we have. He's just been underutilized. They tried to make him a safety instead of a slot corner. Uh, and technically, you know, they call it a safety in this defense, but it's a, it's a, it's a nickel corner. It's a, yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for wide receivers versus DBs. I want to see the DBs make some plays. I want to see the wide receivers make some plays. I want to see the young guys get in there and battle. And yeah, I, that's that's really the first thing that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting one. I, I went the same route, but I kind of want to touch on yours first before I get into mine. Like, I, I think. This is like a huge opportunity. Like everyone knows Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a superstar. But we we know like the four or five guys who might end up playing at wide receiver. But it's going to be incredibly exciting to see which of those guys takes the opportunity in the spring game to really just show out. And it's happened every single year. Like Igbuka had 130 yards receiving last year. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a touchdown last year. On the defensive backside, like – we could really like Denzel Burke was obviously awesome last year. You see all the PFF stats, you see all those advanced stats that they do, how many cover snaps without a touchdown, so on and so forth. Uh, will Ohio State have that on the other side this year? Cam Brown healthy, I think could be that. He was really talented his third season at Ohio State, banged up with injuries ever since. Um, Jordan Hancock, you know, depending on which day of camp it is, it's either him or J.K. Johnson showing out. Uh, but, you know, we know the receivers are elite. Can those DBs be elite like we want to see? I think you mentioned it. Can they be that hashtag BIA that's been built there? Uh, but I think the other impact of the DBs is just kind of seeing how Knowles, how Eliano, how Tim Walton have these guys coached up. It's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I also want – I don't know if I mentioned this because I was rambling – so I apologize. I want to see the rotation. Yeah. Like, I think corner is solid. I think we have a four-man rotation. The two young guys won't play unless someone gets injured. I want to see the safety rotation. Uh, and I know we're not going to entirely see it because we don't know where uh, legend uh, – not legend. We don't know where Lathan Ransom would fit in if he was healthy. Josh Proctor's injured, so he's probably not going to be out there. He's only doing one-on-one drills. And there's a couple other people. But I want to see the rotation. I want to see uh, who comes in after the first group. Because I imagine the first group, just because of injuries and stuff, is going to be um, Court, uh, Ronnie, and um, uh, Tanner McAllister. But, like, who goes in after that? Like, yeah. who is that next at every position? Um, yeah. That's what I want to see. Because I, I feel like the first six guys are relatively clear when it comes to the positions. But once you get to seven, eight, nine, it's it's really just – there's a lot of questions, and with Lathan Ransom being injured, with uh, some of these guys being Proctor battling health, that opens up some reps for some of these younger guys deeper into the game. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, the so I took the same route, offense versus defense on this one, but I I really want to see the offensive and defensive lines that match up, how that plays out. You know, as much as I would love to see, like, so this is where it comes from for me. Um, would I be more excited to see the offensive line just stonewall this defensive line? Or would it worry me that the defensive line with all this talent can't generate a pass rush uh, against our offensive line? And 
that's where I uh, that's where this is. That's why it's so interesting to me. Uh, I want to see the offensive line dominate JT Tuomaleu. I want to see him dominate Jack Sawyer and Stonewallum. I want to see them dominate in the interior, but I also want to see an elite pass rush this game. So if there's a nice back and forth, if you see some sacks, if you see some really good one-on-one pass protection, I think that's a huge win for Ohio State. Uh, I'm very confident in both sides of the ball. I really don't know if I could pick a winner. And then on top of that, I, I think the defensive line depth is much deeper than the offensive line depth. So how can the second team do? How can the third team on offense do versus the defensive line? Uh, that's going to be a huge question, especially when you come and look at it building towards next year. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the young defensive line guys are not on the roster yet. I think they're coming in the spring. I think Caden Curry was one of the only ones that came because uh, I was going to say I'm really excited, like the youngest, like yeah. the, the incoming the class. Um, I was going to say I'm really excited to see those guys personally. I want to see the defensive line win 75% of the snaps because things like this, when you're not fully live, uh, typically um, benefit the D-line more than the O-line because the O-line can't do some of the things that they would do if it was fully live. Like, you're not burying guys. You're not, you know, fully double-teaming that kind of stuff. Uh, But also, I believe the offensive line is going to be really good and whatever quote-unquote issues will happen will be fixed. But if I don't see a pass rush, I'm not convinced that we'll have one. And that is the most scariest out, uh, outcome for me this season, another year without a pass rush. I need to see the defensive line dominate. I'm not worried about the offensive line. They're going to be fine. If they make some mistakes, whatever. They have, like, they have a really good group. They have good starters, at least. I think they have a good six or seven. I can't speak past that, but I think they have a good six or seven. I think Justin Fry is a really good coach. But – we did not have a pass rush last year. We haven't had a pass rush in two years, and we haven't had a great pass rush in really like three or four because as we talked about before, we didn't have a great pass rush. We had Chase Young, yeah. and Chase Young did not have a counterpart. So I I don't want to see I, – I could care less if the offensive line wins a rep because if they don't win a rep, then I at least I have some confidence about the defensive line because I believe the offensive line will be fine. I mean, obviously, like – I'm exaggerating a little bit. I don't want the offensive line to get their ass kicked yeah. the entire time, but I want to see a dominating performance from the defensive line so I have some confidence that players are taking a step and that we're going to have a pass rush and that we're going to see some things that we just haven't seen in a few years. Yeah, so I definitely get what you're saying. And if the defensive line is getting pressure on the quarterback, that's definitely going to be exciting. Uh, I think where – Ohio State was really fine last year was pass rush or pass protection. So I think you're on to something there with them winning 75-25 in that regard. Uh, The run game is going to be interesting because that's where both sides of the ball struggled against really good football teams. Uh, and I know like I know they said they're tackling. I don't know how much of live tackling it's actually going to be. But offense, the offensive line, if they could spring some big runs against the defense – That's going to be exciting. But if the defensive line is giving up some big runs in a spring game where contact isn't full, that is going to raise some question marks. So I really want to see the defensive line have a solid game in the run performance. But once again, I want to see what it looks like with actual guards playing the position. Uh, I want to see how they do against our big interior defensive linemen. 
Uh, it's just, it's just going to be, and you know, it's funny. Like, I don't think a lot of people were really thinking about this. No one ever really thinks about the big guys, but I'm just really excited to see how this looks. we got new coaches on the offensive line. You got Larry Johnson on the other side with a new defensive coordinator. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's probably the most excited battle I'm ready to watch on Saturday. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, that that is probably number two for me um, because I, I love the offense and defensive lines. I just think – I think we need to see more from – I mean, we just need to see more from the defense as a whole. Yeah. But, um, I think that there are – there are less for me. There are less projections on the defensive line because we've seen the main contributors. At the end of the day, we know what Zach Harrison's ceiling is. We know what Teron Vincent and and Jaron Cage's ceiling is. It is not perfect, but it is above average. It's, there's definitely some things missing. We've seen JT and we've seen Jack enough to be able to project what a leap looks like in them, but we haven't seen the wide receivers. Uh, and we haven't seen the young DBs. So that's why it's number one for me. Uh, but and, and, and like offensive line, it's like it's Paris Johnson. It's it's Paris Johnson and Donovan Jackson. They're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're going to be fine. Those are the two best offensive line recruits we've had in years. I mean, yeah. Actually, that's a, this is a random question. Rank. Okay. Rank Wyatt Davis, Paris Johnson and Donovan Jackson. Because Wyatt Davis was our biggest recruit, right, for a while? Yeah, he was up there like, for the sure. NPF was a five-star, five but, like, I feel like when we got Wyatt Davis, they're like, oh, my God, this they got Wyatt Davis. automatic fill-in, like, so, plug-and-play type guy. Not, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about careers, per se, because yeah. two of them are still having them, but who – where do you rank them as far as recruiting gets? Is Paris Johnson the biggest? But he's from Ohio, right? Yeah. So, I mean. So, can he be the biggest recruiting? Get it? Would it be Donovan? I think it's oh, Donovan no. Jackson. And then I think it's probably Paris Johnson Jr. And then probably Wyatt, Wyatt. Davis. And then probably Nicholas so the, so, if that's the case, it's two of the biggest recruiting wins on the offensive line we've had in the last yeah. 10 years. Um, and that's like really. They're going to be fun. Full length to rank fun. those four, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna be fine. But as a recruit, so. like Nicholas Petit Friere was incredibly like thin, so he was two hundred sixty yeah. pounds. So, like there was a lot of projecting with him, and he worked out. I mean, Donovan, but Donovan, Donovan Jackson's Jackson coming in. Came in. He came in July and cracked the two D. Yeah, so like, come on, you can't now. really that's stupid. And Wyatt Davis, that offensive line, that's stupid. Wyatt Davis, <laughs> kind of in that same vein as well. Two year starter, uh, left his junior year. Um, and then, yeah, Paris Johnson Davis Jr. So thing. maybe Wyatt Davis, those are the only – that's where I kind of – Paris Johnson Jr. and Wyatt Davis were kind of like the ones where I was like, eh, you could probably flip these two just because one was a national recruit, one was the Ohio recruit, but one was a higher-ranked recruit than the other. Um, but, yeah, I think Donovan Jackson's number one. And either way, it like Paris Johnson Jr. started last year as a guard and then moved to tackle. So, like, we will see with that. And then – yeah, so it's – I'm not worried about the – I'm not worried about either line, but I'm really excited to see the changes made and then um, – I'm worried about the defensive line. I'm not even going to lie. I'm, I'm worried until I see it. Yeah, I don't think I'm that worried about them, honestly. I, I don't – so the thing is, like you said, ceilings, 
you know, kind of gray area with some of them. Floor, we know they're going to be an above average group at worst. Can they be a great group? That's something we don't know yet. But can we win a national championship if they're not a great group? Yeah. Oh. That's why I I'm worried about be, it. I, 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 I can't. I think you can win with a minimum good group. But were they good last year? Or were they above average? They're above average last year. Good. Right. So I don't even know if they're going to be good. Yeah. Like you like. Like for like, here's the thing, right? If they come out and the starters are Zach Harrison, Jerron Cage, Teron Vincent, and JT, that's not a good defensive line. Because we've seen the ceilings. Um, we've seen the ceilings of those three. There's a reason all of them are four and fifth year guys. Yeah. Uh, so Jerron for sure. We've that's seen it. the ceiling. Jerron, uh, he's battled so many injuries. Like it's it just sucks for him. Like I don't even know if we'll ever actually see what his ceiling could have been. Uh, just because, like, all this stunted development and stuff. But, you know, I, I think with Jack Sawyer, JT, Tyleek Williams, potentially Mike Hall getting in there, you know, because they like to go three deep in the interior. I think there's enough talented bodies. Yeah, so but we haven't seen it. You're right. It, That's the thing. If those guys are the starters, though, like those three are the starters, that means the other ones aren't good enough. Yeah. Because this is a new staff. This is a new staff, so you can't say it's seniority. If it was the old staff, you could say, oh, they're just doing seniority. seniority. Yeah. If Zach, and even- if Zach, Ron, and Jerron come out and win the starting job, that means the young guys have not made a big enough jump. And it's not it, It's not going to be a good defensive yeah. line. Yeah, I do think – uh, with defensive line, a lot of it comes down to like snap counts. You know, they'll like they'll do honorary stuff. Like I think Zach Harrison will start, but I think Jack Sawyer is going to play more than him. And I think JT Tuamale is probably going to be the defensive lineman who gets the most snaps of any of them. Uh, but he'll be a starter. So I, I really think the interior. I think if Tyreek Williams isn't starting, that's going to be that's going to raise an eyebrow. Uh, but overall, I, I do think we're going to see what we want to see on Saturday. Yeah. We're going to find out a I lot week that. one. I mean, you don't really get to start with much better opponents than Notre Dame. Like, that's just not like they're a top 25 team. Uh, they're a talented roster. They've got big offensive linemen. Like, you're going to get tested right out of the gate. So, we're going to find out a lot about them anyways come week one. So, uh, what's nah, yeah? It's not gonna be good next year. It's not a test. Regardless. I think Minnesota was more of a test. Yeah, I don't think so. I could, I, I, I could, I could. Minnesota's off. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah, but and they Minnesota have no doesn't really have a quarterback. You can't tell me Tanner Morgan's yeah, but they have an identity. Yeah, but they have an identity. Yeah, they had the biggest offensive line ever in the history of offensive line. They had a top three running back in the nation and a stingy defense and a good coach. We don't know if they have a good coach. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have the offensive line they used to. They don't have Kyle Hamilton. They don't have the running back whose name I just forgot. I couldn't name a wide receiver. Yeah, no one can name it. They don't have a tight end that they normally have. This is not a loaded Notre Dame team. Like, I think a lot of people are glossing over that. They do not have a lot. Like, Notre Dame, you think of Notre Dame, they historically have great offensive line. They historically have a great tight end. And then there's one or two players sprinkled around. They don't have none of that. Well, okay, I lied. They have... um, Brandon Joseph. 
Yeah. So they have the good safety because they got him from Northwestern. I, I really, like I'm not worried about them defensively. I think they will be a good defensive team next year. I, I am worried about them offensively, though. I don't know. They have nothing on offense. And, like Brian Kelly, despite like his faults, despite him faking a Southern accent, he really gets the most out of his offenses every single season. And but are we sure that the the twenty seven year old Tommy Reese do it Tommy the same Reese. way? I don't think so. So with a defensive minded head coach, yeah, it's gonna be. It, I don't think they're gonna be good. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, I mean, that's why they chose the ACC to partner with. But that's a conversation for Three a different day. Uh, I'm today. What is it? It is, it is April 15th. Right. Ohio State wins by three touchdowns. We'll definitely talk about this more once we get into the offseason just because we're going to have nothing else to talk about. But I do think uh, we're going to be previewing this Notre Dame game for like six months straight. It's going to be awesome. Which is why you play a team like Notre how, Dame week one. I wonder how high I can get. Yeah. Uh, before call me so, well, okay. Before we go to our Let me next start, two I'm things. I'm going to start at 17 points so I can get yeah, up higher Before we start the next later. two things, would you rather the offense struggle and Ohio State win by like 21 points, like 28 to 7, and the defense just shows out against probably a lesser offensive team, Notre Dame? Or would you rather have Ohio State win like 49 to 28 and have some bad defense in that game? I would rather have bad defense because I expect bad defense, and I can say either one, Notre Dame is better than I thought, or two, it's just going to take some time for Jim Knowles' defense to get together. If the offense doesn't show up, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I see. I think I'd rather have the defense show up at first because I think you could grow with the receivers because you're going to have an experience of receivers, uh, and I think they're going to try to ugly up the game. But yeah, but it's CJ Stroud, yeah, and Jackson true. Smith and like, and and Travion Henderson. Those three alone like, should put they'll put up enough points. But yeah, so yeah, back to the spring game. You're the second thing you're most excited about. I won't say I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I want to see the linebacker rotation. This is the position where I see at least two people transferring. Um, honestly. Especially because we're hearing good things about CJ. We're hearing good things about Reed Car- uh, Carico. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reed Carico. And I won't say it's good things for, in, in the same vein, but we're hearing things about gay powers. Those are three youngest linebackers yeah. in the room. Surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, because I did say that I, I, I'm rooting for Tommy because he got better every single game. Tommy East, we're hearing Presley. great. We're hearing great things about Tommy. Tommy's got so, range now, apparently. I don't believe that. <laughs> that that I won't believe. <laughs> you tell me Tommy's going to be a good middle linebacker. I got you. You tell me he has range. Just stop it. Stop lying to me. <laughs> like, don't do that to me right now. I can't yeah. deal with that. I mean, I, um, I feel like Steele <laughs> and Tommy are pr- going to be the first two linebackers out there, and then after that, and I want to see what happens after that. After because that, if, because because. So think about it. They took Kate out the room. They moved Mitchell Melton to the end. So that's two people that they want to keep on the team. So they found new positions for him. That's cool. Um, what do you do with Taraja? What do you do with Pallier Note Note, who transfers was supposed to be this big guy, and they're talking about Reed Carico may take his spot. Like Pallier Note Note's best position is going to be that Sam linebacker, and the rumors are that Reed's Reed is going to start yeah. at Sam linebacker. So that's two guys. What do you do? 
with Cody Simon, who's supposedly good, but he's also injured. And you have some other people that can do that. What does Chip do? I think Chip is a long term thing. Yeah, I, I think Chip Chip's probably not like in the fifteen percent of the snaps yeah. this year. Uh, but he's not going to transfer. Yeah, not so the immediate plan. I want plan. to see the rotation. Probably waiting. I for... want to see the rotation. Yeah, the rotation's interesting. Can... I think it's going to be. I think we can watch. It's going to be big. I think. Uh, I think CJ is going to be the guy I'm most excited to watch in that group because he could legitimately play himself into the two deep immediately. Yeah, I think we can watch the spring game and pick who's going to transfer. Yeah, I think. We'll I mean, there's guys. It's going to happen. There's too many people in that at that position group. And even if it's not this, I know. I, I know. Like the joke is, you can't. You, Taraja Mitchell's not going to transfer unless you like force him to. Um, he's all Buckeye, but. Yeah, I just really don't. He's also going to be a team captain. He'll yeah. be a two D. Yeah, they'll, they'll find he'll, a little he'll have his role in short yards and in games. He'll get he'll get plenty of snaps. Like I think he'll get yeah. enough tape and that it'll be fine. Uh, but it's guys like is like Reed. He's a year older than. Is it Gabe Powers is a year older or is Reed a year older than him? Because his clock started. Gabe Powers is a freshman. Okay, so then it reads he's, the one. He's in the CJ class. Yeah. yeah, so Reed's the older one. His clock starting to tick. And if he's not really being. He's only seen, a second year guy. Yeah. And if he's not seen in the immediate plan right now with CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers coming in, like that room's full. And in a 4 2 5, that's not a lot to give. And. You know, there's only two or three teams on the schedule where you're going to be playing with heavier personnel pretty regularly. And that that really – I mean, you can't be 12 deep at that position really right now. Yeah. Well, I think Reed is good because Reed is projected to start. It's the older guys that I, yeah. Yeah, I think Reed's fine. Uh, and he's a second-year guy. You know what I mean? I think if he was – if next year there's not a role for him, that's the issue. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I, don't, I think, If he doesn't carve out a role this season, next year it's going to be even tougher as a third-year player. Yeah. But then you also have to think about – the, the guys that's older than him. Yeah. You have to think about Cody Simon. You have to think about those guys who haven't found their role yeah. with Cody's the, with worst you know, them right getting Tackett Curtis and, and all of them. So yeah, his health is I his think, problem. So like if Simon can't get healthy, he might just get passed over due to the lack of availability. Yeah. Uh, availability is the best ability. Yep. That's what so, they say. I would just I just want to pull this up really quickly because uh, we just Bill Landis just did this. These are the currently the the linebackers. Uh, Pallier Note Note is a fifth year. Taraja Mitchell is a fifth year. Steel Chambers is a fourth year. Tommy Eichenberg is a fourth year. Cody Simon is a third year. Chip Trainum Trainum is a third year. Reed Carrico is a second year. CJ is a first year. Gabe Powers is a first year. That is. Um, that's nine. That's a little bit less because they've already moved two people out the room. It was 11 or 12. So maybe at nine, you can stay because yeah. Pallier and Taraja will graduate. Steele, if he has a good year, may go to the league. Tommy is probably going to stay another year just because and yeah, then go was- and try to be like a third round pick. Uh, so maybe maybe we don't see the transfer anymore because they've moved people out of that room. But still, you can't play nine people in two positions. You can't. It's that's almost that's four and a half deep. So like, it's just there's the math and the numbers right now, and we saw it sort of with uh, when Tuff Borland and Pete Werner and those guys were young. They took those roles and they ran with them for three, four years, 
And a lot of guys didn't like Kevon Pope, like that Dallas Gantt, that group just never really found roles on the team. And that's kind of what we're probably going to run into that again over time. But if you keep recruiting at a high level, if you keep pushing him out to the league, you could get back to that similar rotation that you saw with the receivers and so on and so forth and other positions. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I just want to see. If you get the linebacker room to how the DBs were, where it's like, all right, you sit for two years, you play one year, and then you're gone, like that would be ideal. I don't know if it'll ever get to be like that because linebackers aren't drafted like that anymore, like DBs are. Where it's like, why would you go after one year to be a third round pick when you know? You could possibly I think it'll be, be a more, first, yeah. Unless you're Will Anderson, I who could probably leave right now. Yeah, I think a first round pick. Yeah, I think it's more sit to play to. Yeah, and nah, that math would be yeah. that math would be ideal as well. So that's kind yeah. of the Tommy it's plan. That's kind of the steel plan with a little few more obstacles in it. Um, yeah, because Tommy, Tommy, Tommy yeah, that is the Tommy guy, plan. Because, but yeah, but he was it's like two and a two half. and a half. Yeah, because he like, was like, you, he wasn't like, honestly you, ready to play the role he played last year. Well, okay. So what I mean by that is Tommy played a little bit his sophomore year. Yeah. So he played a little bit special teams, that kind of stuff. He started last year. He started this year. That's two and a half. Yeah. If he does, if he stays again, then that's three and a half. But Tommy will have at least two full years as a starter ish, whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I think I like Tommy. I do too. I he think Tommy this show. Was, like we were hard on him at first. He shouldn't have been. Yeah, but you there. have to be. Hey, he he, he kind of. But he learned. The biggest thing is he learned and he he got better. And that's what you want and to see. Enough, enough to the point that you could say he was probably held back more than some by coaches. Yeah. Uh, he is not a spectacular player, but he's what you want at a middle linebacker. He, for the most part, is consistent. Yep. Because when he was consistently making bad plays, he consistently made the same bad play. And then when he made good plays, he consistently made the good plays. He was not up and down. And I think that's why he played so much, because you knew what you were going to get. Yeah. You knew that he may miss a tackle here or there, but you knew that for the most part he would be where he was supposed to be. And some of the other guys were a lot more wild card. But that is not a compliment because being consistently bad is still being bad. But every, I think you could go through every single game and see that he got better and better and better. And I think he'll have a more defined role because it's a better defensive staff. And he will not be a superstar, but he will not be a weak link. Absolutely. I think if he is I the agree. eighth best player on the defense, that's fine, as long as the other players are actually genuinely good. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he I, doesn't I need agree. to be spectacular. He needs to be consistent, one hundred percent, and not a weak link. And I don't think he will be. So that's that's good. Uh, with uh, my last excitement before we head to the quick break, I just want to see Devin Brown throw the football around the shoe. I'm excited for that. Yeah, it was exciting to see Kyle McCord, CJ Stroud, Jack Miller last year. We only got one new quarterback playing in their first spring game this year. Incredibly excited to see. Yeah, Devin Brown's that guy. Yeah, so with that, with that, we're gonna take a quick break. Then we're gonna come out and we're gonna have some fun. Some spring game possible superlatives. We're gonna predict them. Uh, So yeah, with that, we'll catch you guys on the other side of this commercial break. Welcome back in, everybody. It's your 
host Christopher Rennie, joined by Jordan Williams today, talking everything spring game. Uh, the first conversation, uh, what we're excited to see, this conversation, we're going to make some predictions here in a few ways, kind of predicting performances, but I tried to make it a little bit more fun to just be in like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be the leading passer, this guy's going to be that. I kind of wanted to make him a little bit more uh, fun conversations to have, more uh, I didn't want to tie him into one position a piece. I wanted to have like a few opportunities to where we could have some offensive defense guys win it. Uh, maybe some older guys getting some recognition because they never do in spring games uh, and a few position things. But yeah, the first one we've got on this list, uh, we're going to go straight to the young guys, freshman breakout performer. You want to go first or you want me to go first here, Jordan? Uh, you got it. All right, so for my freshman breakout performer, the first superlative of the Buckoff spring game predictions, um, I've got Keon Grays. Uh, I know I'm putting a lot of excitement into the one catch she made at the Student Appreciation Day, but I, I think from the time I saw him catching passes from Devin Brown and Quinn Ewers, at the Elite 11, he just always had a smoothness and, you know, I tweeted out that day he looked just like Chris Olave. And ever since then, uh, that's all you've been hearing about him is he's just such a smooth receiver. Every year, one of the young receivers has a day, and I think he's going to be the freshman breakout performer with that day. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. Um, hmm. I was going to say Caleb. Is it Burton or Brown? Burton. Which one is Brown's coming Texas? in the summer? Burton's the one that's here. Okay, but Burton is the one from Texas, though, yeah, right? He's Texas. Mm. No, I think that's good. I think that's good. I think Keon Graves is more ready to perform. I could see like if there was like a more spectacular play, like one guy who's only going to make one play, but it's going to be the more spectacular play. I think it could be Caleb, uh, but I do think like. You know, if we're if we're having one that's gonna like break out, you know, a touchdown, three catches, seventy five yards, something like that, it's gonna be Keon. Keon um, was the one in the Under Armour game, right? Who was just like breaking people off. Yeah, he's he's incredibly he's got the juice. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, mine is Kai Stokes. I'm predicting an interception for my guy Kai Stokes and a, and a, and a, uh, a pass breakup. I've been very intrigued by Kai Stokes for a while just because. He literally was just he just had like a business like approach. I mean, he literally came out and said, I, I, my ranking is too low, but it's because I was learning safety. And so I didn't go to the camp circuit. I didn't want to have a bad day uh, as I was learning a new position against the best players in the country where they're going to judge me for it. So I didn't go to camps. I was still ranked as whatever it was, but I'm a better player than that. And then all you hear from him is he's the first player to get his black stripe removed. Um, Caden Curry being first and or second is not surprising. Everything we heard about Caden Curry was great. Yeah. But Kai Stokes being the first player to get his black stripe removed this early in spring. I mean, before the spring game, you're hearing rumors that he's going to crack the two deep, uh, that he may back up Ronnie Hickman. Uh, I mean, I, th- I just think it's like everything that you're hearing is backing up kind of the thought process. And for a, a guy who comes in and is like, listen, I had a plan. 
and I executed that plan. And I don't care about the recruiting rankings. I cared about being a better player at 17. You got my attention. Yeah, that, you do. You got it. That's a maturity uh, you look so, for in the safety position as well. That all business mentality. Yeah. And that's something that doesn't feel like we've had since Jordan Fuller left. So I, I'm excited. I, yeah. I think if we went offense, defense, this is how I'd have it. So keep on enjoying yeah, it. Well. I think the. I think the other thing with that is we just need safeties. We, I mean, we really do. I kind of hinted at it early. We've recruited a bunch of safeties. I mean, Andre Torrentine, like all these guys, but, I mean, they're all young. So outside of Ronnie and some of the guys, it's an open competition. And yeah. so there is no pecking order. There's the starter and then – Freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores are all fighting for that uh, because oh, they yeah. have had those. And, and also, let's be honest. I mean, hey, you need to get your spot now because when Sonny comes in, he's <laughs> it's like, gonna play if where you they want him to play. So <laughs> if, you, if you don't got a spot before Sonny comes, you might not have a spot. So, um, yeah, that's something I'm interested in for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think Kai Stokes is going to be the freshman breakout performer. Yep, 100. I, I think we got it. Offense, defense, there. I think both of those guys could have huge games. So uh, the next one on the list, uh, we've got old timers last dance, and we actually have the same player on this one. Uh, I don't think that's because uh, I don't think that's because I don't think a lot of the old guys can't play well. I just think this is really his opportunity to be like. I've been here the whole time. Like, it's my time to shine now. I'm going to have some pancakes in this game. And that's Matt Jones. We both have Matt Jones. Uh, I put him in there because, number one, he's a player I want to watch. I want to see a guard play guard again, uh, just personally. And I just really want to see what that looks like. And I think he's going to have a really good performance. Why did you have him as your old-timers last dance breaking out? (laughs) You know why I had him as mine. Because I don't care about any of the other old guys. I don't want any of them to see the field. <laughs> like, first of all, okay, first of all, I know that at some point I'm going to soften on this. I really am. And it's not even so much anti-old guys. It's more just my excitement for the young guys. But there is a true statement at every position except offensive line. Because that's just how offensive line works. Older players almost never succeed like if you are at Ohio State and you make it to your fourth or fifth year there's a reason like unless it's like at offensive line because offensive line is typically because a log jam how many times I mean the only one that I can think of that really really had like a not a fan favorite year but like an actual good year is Jonathan Cooper but his was injuries yeah like like okay and so maybe Tron Vincent could be Jonathan Cooper because his was also injuries but for most of the old guys it's just not that they're bad players we know their ceiling so I'm not excited for any I, I could care less about Zach Harrison's last year respectfully I don't care about John Cage's last year respectfully but Matt Jones Matt Jones has a chance. I mean, I know he's not a transfer, but he has a chance to have a Brandon Bowen, uh, a Jonah Jackson type of year where he really wows some people and he gets to he he becomes a, a second or third round pick and has a long year. And it's just because he was stuck behind Jonah Jackson, Wyatt Davis, Michael Jordan, some of those other guys. So yeah, big names. So that's what I think I'm mine at with is him, honestly. Yeah. Mine's not maybe as nice. I, I just don't really care about the other old yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I just I would like, say Cameron bad, but I just uh, think that's a feel good story they're trying to shove down our throat. And I would love to see it. Yeah, I just don't know. If, 
So we're actually going to the other two guys I consider were Cam Babb. I just don't know what his health's at for this game. And then uh, Cam Brown, who also I just don't fully know where his health's at for this game. So uh, Matt Jones got the win. Uh, and I do think. Oh, Cameron Brown's a good one. But I feel like he's played a lot. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I looked at it. I guess the other guys played a lot, too. I, I, I guess I chose Matt Jones over Cameron Brown because Cameron Brown has been a pseudo starter for two seasons. Yeah. It's just been endless. And I think Matt Jones will have an opportunity to be like, yeah, uh, we're not we're going to be a better offensive line this year than we were last year because we've got a guard playing guard. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. So next one. Oh, I forgot to put mine in here, but I'm just going to go the opposite of you. CJ Stroud's not the answer for this one. Best quarterback performance. Uh, <laughs> it can't be CJ Stroud. It can't Stroud. be CJ Stroud. Stroud. He's going to play a series. He's going to light up the defense, go like 11 for 12 and throw a touchdown. And he'll probably just get to take the time off and grab the clipboard for the yeah. one and only time this season until he starts blowing teams out. Uh, so, Basically. best quarterback performance. Uh, you you want to go first on this one, Jordan? Yeah, I'm going Kyle. Everyone knows that my first – well, okay, not everyone knows, but some of you may know that the first article I ever wrote – for Langer and Holy Land was about Kyle because it was pissing me off that everyone was dismissing him for Quinn Ewers. I would like to take my victory lap. Quinn left. Kyle didn't. So victory lap for me. When I took this job, quote unquote, I didn't want to write and it pissed me off. And I was like, you know what? I asked him, hey, can I just do one article? Can I just do one? I need to put this article. I need to find that so I can repost it like obnoxiously because Kyle's here and Quinn's not. Quinn is not. And for anyone who's like, Quinn may still be better. That was never my point. My point was Kyle has a legitimate chance to be the next quarterback, to be the backup and to be the next starter. And Quinn did not have the gall to stay. He left. So victory lap for me but i think we're gonna see something from kyle because this is kyle's second year in the offense now yeah uh this is his audition for it not even to be a quarterback competition for it to be a pseudo competition this is his time for him to be like listen i'm the air replacement devin brown you you're next you're next this is kyle's chance to be a one-year starter at that right kyle doesn't want to start for two years he wants to back up this year get a little bit of playing time Throw for 50 touchdowns next year and be in the next draft. Um, that's also probably what Devin Brown wants. So I, I think Kyle's going to have a day. I think he's going to have a day. Yeah. So Kyle and Devin are for sure going to split the most of the snaps, without a doubt. Zero questions about it. Ryan Day even said they're both going to get reps with the ones, whatever that means right now. Uh, I don't know what that means from a receiver standpoint, but – I think that's the fairest way to look at these two. Uh, Kyle's for sure going to get more reps with like the first offensive line, the first receivers than Devin Brown is, but that doesn't mean that Devin Brown isn't going to outperform Kyle uh, McCord. Sorry. I don't know why I thought Kyle, Kyle McCord. Uh, I think McCord is going to have a nice day. I think he's going to look crisp. I think he's going to wow people. He's going to make some throws, but there's just some juice into Devin Brown's game where he could do a little stuff off platform, He's going to – I think he's going to get a few oohs and ahs from the crowd. And maybe the numbers are the same, but I just think we're going to see something from Devin. And even if he's not ready to be the guy this year or next year, people are going to be like chomping at the bit for him to finally take over. And that's kind of what I see. I think he's going to have the better performance. Uh, probably not enough to be like, I'm the second best quarterback on this team now. But you never know. I feel like you tricked me. I think there's a difference between best and most exciting. I think 
Um, I, I think that there's a chance Devin Brown has the well, most exciting if, performance. So I don't if, know that it's going to be best. So if we do it statistically, like say Devin Brown ends up throwing the ball 25 times because CJ and Kyle are pretty much solidified, you know, like he gets 25 throws to their like 12, 13 throws a piece. Like that's not going to be fair to break down the stats, you know? Yeah, but I feel like Devin Brown, if he had 25 throws, I feel like he goes like 10 for 15, but he just has like two stupid ass throws that are just like, wow. It's like 10 for 15, like 105 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, but he had like two just like holy shit balls. Like like that, that is unreal. And that's the thing. I think Devin Brown is definitely going to be more of the holy shit balls type quarterback than Kyle, but Kyle's just going to – I don't want to compare him to Mac Jones because I think he has a stronger arm, but if Kyle McCord ends up being Mac Jones, that's not like at all a bad thing. 70% passer, like throwing to the best receiver. Kyle's a better athlete than CJ, isn't he? No, CJ's a much better athlete than Kyle. Are you sure? 100%. I know Jack was. Are you sure? Kyle's the worst athlete for sure. I feel like CJ is. Okay, maybe maybe I'm getting it mixed up. CJ is a, I know for a fact Jack was a better athlete than CJ. Yeah, CJ was an all-county uh, basketball player. I know Kyle McCord wasn't. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I was wrong about that then. <laughs> yeah, I think Devin, Devin kind of reminds me of a little bit of a baseball player type quarterback. Everything's off platform, like electric, all juice. Uh, but Kyle, I mean, you know him. He's, he's Mr. – He's he's gonna look, he looks the part. He looks like a quarterback. Everything about him is yeah. quarterbacky. Uh, so I'm excited to see him. I think they I think he's got a new number this year too. So that'll be cool. Uh, but what, what was his number last year? I think year? it was 14. Did he change that before the That's season started? I have no idea. It doesn't matter all that much. He's he's gonna I don't be, pay attention he's to be wearing a headset most of the season. So. <laughs> Uh, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. We're putting up fifty balls. He's gonna play. He's gonna play. Yeah, but a even, good if, amount. even if he most of the season, that's still most of the season. Uh, You're right. But 60 40 because we're gonna be in a lot of blowouts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think best quarterback performance. Very. I mean, they're. I think they're all gonna play pretty well. Uh, but that takes us to the next one. Offensive MVP. Uh, who is going to be your guy? We both went the receiver route. That's exciting. So who 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 do you have? Uh, Marvin. Lil Marv. Lil, Lil Marv. Big Marv. Big Marv now. I, I just think <laughs> Big Marv. I think he's just going to go stupid. I, just, think, I think he is. <laughs> All right. So – I think so. I think he's going to go absolutely nuts. So I think he's going to have. I think he's going to score a touchdown. I think Marvin Harris. I think he will. Uh, I went with a Mecca Ibuka, and the reason the reason I went this route is I feel like Marvin has a solidified role. You know, I, he's going to be a starter, uh, regardless of if they rotate or not. I think it's going to be Jackson Smith and Marvin Harrison Jr. You can pencil those two in. Omeka has a like he could legitimately be like you can't not play me in this game, like with a big performance. And that's the same with Julian Fleming. I'm just putting my money on a Mecca right now. And that's kind of what I think will uh, be the offense MVP. I think Julian and a Mecca literally don't matter. I think they're going to be three, a three B. 
I, there is absolutely zero way that we have a three-man rotation. But, okay, that's not a rotation. And there's absolutely zero way that we have a three-man wide receiver core like we had last year. Uh, I think that they will both play. I don't. I don't think it'll be. I don't think either because they do different things. I don't think either of them will separate themselves enough for there to only play three receivers. I think the biggest question is: Is it going to be five? Is it going to yeah. be four or five? Can another wide receiver get some tick? Are they just, are they going to just rotate? And essentially, when Jackson's on the field, you move a mecca um, inside. And when Jackson is on the field, you move Omeka outside and take uh, um, Fleming, yeah, yeah. I think I think Omeka is going to have a great day, though. I, I do. That's I think he's going to so, have a great day. I just think I know, Marvin's going to go stupid. I know there's going to be four guys who play. I know snap counts matter. I know Omeka is going to want to play more. And I just think he had a stupid game last year. And I just think he honestly just has like – like him and Jackson are the two play. I, Jackson just won't play enough, but I think they're the ones with the skill set where like scrimmage and quarterback comfort go hand in hand, and I think they just make quarterbacks comfortable. Hmm. So they're going to see the ball. I I think that's more Marvin than it is. Gonna, no, because I think Marvin's going to be in the slot. You're just getting quick throws to him. He's going to yeah. get twelve catches. <laughs> I don't know. Just we'll see on this one. We'll I see think, on this one. I think that matters more. Okay. Uh, actually, sorry. I'm thinking of two different things. And the spring game, maybe yes, because I think that Devin and I think that Kyle may rely on the slot more. CJ does not need that. No. And Jackson Smith and Jigger was not good because he was in the slot. When CJ's the quarterback, I think Marvin's going to be so open that he's – it's just going to be like yeah. – I, I mean, so, he threw three touchdowns to him for a reason. So, so who draws I Burke? I think if we're looking if, – if, if Marvin has Burke on him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little weary of that when I come to making my MVP pick. I hate to say this because I love Burke. Marvin's taking Marvin is is taking Burke's lunch money. Uh, so, I think Marvin's that. I think he's that good. So I that's where I'm at. I know. I, I know. Mecca's going to line up outside. He's going to line up in the slot. He's not going to get the number one corner on him. So I, I just think but he's going to get Cameron. He's going to get Cameron Brown though. Cam Brown that's or Cam quarter. Martinez, both good cover guys, but he's bigger yeah. than both both of them. Bar's bigger than yeah. – I, I don't know. I think the receiver's going to win more than but, they don't, but – Yeah, but Marv is big and he's a technician. And I think Ibeka is going to play more snaps than Marv, though. But Marv's also young, so he might play a lot of snaps, too. It's not, That's why this is yeah. – Marvin hasn't done anything. Marvin hasn't done anything but one game. He still has to prove it. Yeah. So, so I think these two guys – that's why I think Fleming could be the guy, too. I think he's kind of a wild card here because he's got a lot to prove. This is his first spring game healthy, so – so. Yeah, I don't think he'll be the MVP, but I think he. I think he'll make a case. Yeah, that I'm excited he, he to said see. Said it a few times ago with Caleb Burden. I think Fleming's the guy of like the guys who've been there a little bit who could make that one play where you're just like, okay, that's why he was the number one receiver in the country. Yeah, but I, I, I'll tell you this: I, I'm not. This is going to be a, a summer podcast thing, and I need to see this game before I have before I have an opinion. <laughs> But I'm going to say this. There is a chance that Fleming plays well enough to be a one-year starter first-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I am not I am not projecting 
that Fleming will be on the roster next year. I'm not saying that he won't, though. I need to see this game. I need to see his health, that kind of stuff. But he is... I, I still think he's special. And I think he might be one of those guys who ends up being a better pro than college player just because his physical ability. But I, I think I think it's solely going to be because he's going to be healthy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he had that shoulder injury that happened in high school and most high schools. I mean, like, I don't know. This is, okay, this is a random question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I think I know the answer, but let's just talk about it because people may be interested in it. Real life people, me, you, uh, Julian Fleming in high school. If you get injured, you go to the hospital, you have to use your insurance, you go to your surgeons, etc. College football players, they have surgeons and different things like that. Does every treatment you get as a college football player or a college athlete, is that free? Like that's not, they don't use, even though they, even though they have team doctors, do they use your insurance or is uh, that free? I actually have no idea. I think there is a a number it goes up to that they will cover in your career. I think that's the last thing I remember, but I don't know if it's been changed or anything, Okay, but there is like okay. an insurance that each division one athlete gets. And I don't know if it's even technically an insurance, but like they have a fund that they could get money out of to cover these types of things. Okay. The reason why I'm asking is because he had that shoulder injury in high school yeah. and he didn't get it taken care of either because he didn't know how, how – either way, yeah. he came in and – and so – and then things happen and that kind of stuff. But I think he'll be a better pro solely on the fact that if he's healthy when he's a pro, he, he's going to show why he was the number one wide receiver in the yeah, country. I agree. Uh, so that's offensive MVP. Uh, defensive MVP uh, – I'll go first on this. I'm going Jack Sawyer. I think he's going to have another day where he has like four sacks. I just think he has that skill set that like if he goes up against a backup tackle, like I'm sorry, like he's going to have a few sacks. I see that. I'm very excited to see Jack. Uh, I want to see him not be a quote unquote finesse player anymore. No, I think he wants to show that he's not. Mine is CJ Hicks. Uh, I think, I mean, I have already said this before and I'll say it again. I'm putting no expectations on him playing this season. I refuse to do that to myself. But in a spring game where young guys are going to get a lot of snaps, hey, he's play so much. I think he's been a while. I could see like 10 touchdowns. Uh, 10 touchdowns. That's ridiculous. I can see like 10 tackles and, and, and a like forced fumble or interception or something. And it may not, and it may not mean anything because it, it'll probably be against like Devin Brown, the third wide receivers, the walk on offensive lineman, you know, but I could just yeah. see him having a dazzling performance, something that we haven't seen in a while. And people are just like, Holy crap. Like, yeah, that's a linebacker. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I think you might be right here. I just don't know if Jack's going to play enough to like actually warrant this award. And CJ is probably going to play like 40% of the snaps tomorrow. There's many snaps as you could potentially play on the field, you know? So I think you might be right on this one. I think, uh, it's hard because they play so many players and I know they're doing full contact. I know I keep doing air quotes under my desk, but like full contact to the extent as you can in a spring game. Um, that could be a really yeah, big like opportunity gonna, if he is yeah. if if it's full contact a linebacker legitimately will probably win the defensive MVP and I think CJ Hicks is a good pick. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see him play, uh, see him get to fly around a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I really hope you're right. I hope he is like 
I hope he pops and it's like immediately like, all right, this is a linebacker. Yeah, I, I remember what those looked like. <laughs> it's been a while. I don't think that many people remember what they look like, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so, uh, the last one, just kind of a fun one. Player you're most excited to watch, young, old, doesn't matter. First year, second year, doesn't matter. Offense, defense, doesn't matter. Player you're most excited to watch. Player I'm most excited to watch is Martin Harrison Jr. Because it's like, it's like, at the end of the day, he only had one game. It was yeah. just one game. So I want to see it again. Yeah. And I want to see him keep building on that and doing it more consistently. And obviously, he's not going to average three touchdowns a game. But I just want to see him just like crazy route running, like, you know, good catches. I want to see him go up over somebody. Uh, and also, this is just not fair. I'm a coach fan. I watched his dad. His dad's in the Hall of Fame. The moment he committed I've been waiting to see Marvin Harrison, like off name alone. So this is now his time for him to to step into a bigger role. So I, I want to see Marvin Harrison Jr. I like that one. I, I am excited to see. I'm excited to see him as well. But the guy I chose, Caden Curry, um, pretty sure he's healthy. I think he's going to be in that same area as CJ Hicks where he's going to play a lot. Uh, I think – we saw Jack Sawyer with four sacks last year. I think Caden Curry might be that guy this year. Uh, he's big. He's fast. He's athletic. He was undervalued from recruiting services. He was one of the first guys to get his black stripes removed in spring. Uh, it's going to be a dangerous time for defenses if Caden Curry is ready to contribute immediately. And I think we're going to see – I want to see – I know we're going to see him against the seconds and thirds, but it would be nice to see a few reps with him against some of our starting tackles just to kind of see what we're actually getting in this guy and why he shed his black stripe so fast. Yeah, I I think Caden Curry can be like a Tyleek type guy where it's like he just has a, a stupid game against like Akron. Obviously, we don't play Akron. I think down the stretch uh, – I think down the stretch, his um, snaps will lessen. Uh, but I think it's a guy where it's like, yep, very excited about him. Can't wait till next year. Yeah. Um, and if that's what happens, that's fine, because that doesn't happen for a lot of defensive players, because defense is hard to adjust to. And if, if he can be that, that's a great freshman year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he might be. And, like, it's just, you know, seeing the next in line of those edge players is always exciting. So, uh, we saw with Jack last year. We didn't uh, – uh, we unfortunately didn't get to see it with JT last year because of his recruitment. So, this year, I mean, if you go into next year with a lot of confidence with uh, JT and, goddamn, Jack Sawyer with Caden Curry behind him, that's, that's just something you can't really not be excited about. Yeah, I think the other thing I'm excited about with Caden is he's one of those few guys who can play anywhere. Yeah. He can play inside, he can play outside, and he can play Leo. So, I mean, he's going to – that's also going to increase his chances of playing because he can play anywhere. Versatility. Um, Uh, And he's just – he's different. He's like that. Yeah, he is. Uh, But, yeah, that's our spring game superlatives. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, I know – I know it's a glorified scrimmage. I was really excited when Ryan Day said it was full contact uh, outside of the fourth quarter and a period before the game starts. Um, but yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Uh, we'll crack some cold ones. It's gonna be warm out. Hopefully, I hope the rain forecast is still 
pushed out enough that it's not going to rain. If it rains, it's going to suck. But I'm still going. Rain, snow, or shine. We're going to be at the game, covering this game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the next thing I kind of wanted to get into, you know, we love this guy. He's one of our best friends. Uh, we enjoy talking about him. He brings us great content on a weekly basis. Uh, our good friend Dabo Sweeney. Um, before our final thoughts, we've got we got to talk about this, man. Like, for being honest, what coach can say he's like the CEO of Delta and his players are baggage handlers and still, like, it just kind of blows over everybody's shoulder like three, four days later. Like, what other coach could do that? Listen, I have no idea. I have no idea. That was wild. I mean, what he said before that was just wild. It was stupid. It was out of touch. But then, like, that is such a terrible, terrible reference, and it just kind of just blowed over. And it's like, that is so undervaluing to players, uh, to your players, to to the people in the program, uh, to the people who make your money, who earn your salary for you. Um, And it just, just... like it didn't happen. Yeah. It, it, so it was mind boggling to me for two reasons. Number one, he went in on the transfer portal again, NIL just kind of being like what it is. And, you know, we've kind of come to expect that from Dabo. You know, we saw the roster attrition happen last year. We saw what happened when his depth was questioned and he had like 36 block ons behind Brian Brissy and other players who actually could play football at that level. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Uh, he's out of touch and that's kind of, so it's funny. So we saw Dabo say these things, right? And you know, the Delta one was out of touch. We know he's out of touch with NIL. We know he's out of touch with these things. It's very unsustainable. And you know, unless Clemson has some very generous alumni, which they don't, it's actually a relatively small alumni base compared to other powerful programs in the country. Um, Unless they're doing something behind the scenes, I think Clemson's going to fall behind in this. But the funniest thing about it was Nick Saban was also like, hey, this NAL stuff's out of control. Like, unless we get a wrap on this, we're going to see a way different college football. And, you know, where Dabo says it, it sounds like complaining. When Saban says it, it sounds like a very uh, thinly veiled threat to everybody else. Uh, hmm. I, I just I just can't fathom. So I put in our notes. Davo's thought process is the process of Pac-12 administrators, ACC administrators, and some Big 12 administrators. And I know the Big 12 really wants to be a big football conference, but they lost their two big fish. Uh, Pac-12 and ACC, they have that same mindset as Davo. Wait and see. We're going to see how this goes. If we don't get legislation here. And that's why they've fallen behind, you know. So I just don't get – how you could have such a successful run, and I know a lot of it's based on defensive line recruiting and their quarterbacks, but how you can have such a successful run and be so out of touch with the modern game of where college football's going. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I think I won't say that people misunderstood, but like, Clemson was never in touch. I mean, they, like, they never were. It's just the game changed very fast. I mean, Clemson had a rule that if you commit, you can't 
you can't see visits. Yeah. If you visit other places, you could potentially lose your scholarship. You know what I mean? Like they've always been out of touch with the committable scholarships and a lot of the kind of stuff. They've always been kind of old school. It just didn't matter because, and I say this all the time on this show, and as Ari Washman said, they always had the better quarterback because the other teams like, for, I mean, think about it. Like, all the best quarterbacks for a while were on teams that didn't matter. Yeah. Most of the starting quarterbacks, number one picks, they didn't win national championships. You know what I mean? Alabama's and them, they didn't have great quarterbacks. Ohio State had running quarterbacks, these teams. But now they're getting those quarterbacks. So when Clemson was winning, they had Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They had... Trevor Lawrence. Um, Trevor Lawrence, who was the best quarterback in college football at the time. So they had a step above. Um, and that's not the case anymore. They may have a better quarterback, but it's not as significant. Like having Deshaun Watson when Ohio State had JT Barrett, like, come on now. Like that is that's it's entirely different level. And then you also had the good defensive line and, and some good coaches and stuff. But they've never been in yeah. tune, so it had, I, I but think, now it, it's being exposed more. Yeah, and I think something else that's being exposed is everyone's like they're such great talent evaluators. They've been able to identify these three stars, and I think they got lucky with Isaiah Simmons. Now, granted, Isaiah Simmons was misprojected as a recruit and all that stuff, uh, and then like their best receiver for three years was a walk on in Hunter Renfro, and I don't think anyone's ever valued Hunter Renfro. That's why he went so low in the draft. I don't even know if he got drafted, and then he's one of the better receivers in the league. Like you do that, you recruit guys like Sammy Watkins. You've had some good receivers. Was his name Justin Ross was pretty solid for him. Uh, you've had some. You've got a lot of talent there, but it doesn't feel like. It just doesn't feel the same as the other programs. And it netted them two national championships. So at the end of the day, uh, Dabo Sweeney, congratulations. You did it. Uh, you captured Magic in the Bottle, and you're one of the only coaches with multiple national championships to his name, which is something only two coaches right now can say actively. Uh, but, yeah, it just felt – it feels like – with the NIL, with the transfer portal, the more out of touch you are, it, it's it's playing with dynamite every single season. We saw what happened with DJ Uangalele last year, and they've completely changed their quarterback recruiting. Uh, we saw what happened when their receiver room took some hits, and they had some walk-ons playing. Like that was not pretty on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so I, I just think it's interesting. And I think it's interesting. Like Nick Saban echoed some of the same things in a different way. Like there definitely are some things. I mean, Lincoln Riley brought it up after he just changed teams and pretty much did what he doesn't want players to do. Uh, Ryan days brought up some stuff like that as well. Just with like where it's going, being prepared for it. Kind of like, you know, not going all in, in some ways and going all in, in other ways. And, it's it's been interesting to follow, and I just this is kind of the question I put in there. Like, how much longer can a program run in that old school way and still be successful? Honestly, I have no idea. Um, what I'll say is, I don't think that he is wrong for having concern. I don't think that I have concern about some of the NIL stuff and things like that. His problem is his just, it's just, it's, it, it's even more worse 
that just sounds so bad for audio medium. I, I don't have words, but like for for example, he doesn't use the transfer portal. Nick Saban used the transfer portal, like the the comparing himself, and it's just like 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 he said, we're in a capitalist society. But capitalism would allow your players to Get make paid, money. Yep. So you're using capitalism to support you making $10 million, but not your players making 100000 or 50000 or whatever. You don't use the transfer port. It's, it's just it's different. The collectives and things like that, and you went on that rant uh, on your solo show, the collectives are not good for football. There are some things about NIL that are not good for football. But the way he expressed them and some of the things that he says and comparing his players to the lowest of low, you know, employees in an organization, a billion dollar organization, and this, that, and the third uh, is just wrong. I think that um, Clemson is going to go downhill. It's going to be slow because I, I think they're good coaches. But I think to the to your point of how long can you survive, if it was one thing you could survive longer. But for them, it's like three or four. Yeah. You don't use a transfer portal. You're not recruiting as well. You double down on uh, uh, on coaches that that no one knows is good. You're not bringing new lifeblood in the program. You've got a you skewed view better coaches. of player values. Yeah, you have a skewed view of player values. Like, it, it just stacks on top. It stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks. And this is not to say they're not going to get good players. Obviously, they just got the quarterback. But it's a yeah. game of attrition, and and over time, it gets worse and worse until they become an eight and four team and no longer are competing for championships. And I remember a big part of it was they had quite a few guys transfer out of the program, and they didn't bring anybody yep. in to replace them—not extra recruits, not extra players. They added a few more walk-ons to the building. That's what I. That's what I saw on Clemson boards. I don't know if they added that many walk-ons. I just kept seeing Clemson people say, we have so many walk-ons on this team. Like, why can't we just have more players? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, you know, there's one guy you could point to. I I think, you know, Tony Elliott leaving. I think Brett Venables leaving. And you could already see their attitudes kind of shifting more towards the modern game. It really points back to Dabo. And Dabo is not the only coach in this regard who struggled with this. Uh, but he's kind of the last of the old guard, you know, of like, I'm the old ball coach. Things go as I say. Like, if you don't like it, you could leave. And and the thing with Nick Saban, he's old, so he has some old school things. But he has shown willingness to change and adapt. He may, quote unquote, complain verbally, but he's always going to do what's best to his program. Yeah. He is not stuck in his ways he's just going to talk about the things that he disagrees with Dabo is stuck in his ways and he thinks he's the smartest person in the room and he thinks his way is better yeah I mean like just go down the list like Brian Kelly completely changed his personality immediately when he got to LSU like he was playing the Catholic coach card and now he's Southern I'm a family man I'm dancing behind recruits it's weird but I'm fun now like you see that stuff like Jimbo Fisher when he came to Texas A&M he embraced the weird traditions of the 12th man and all that stuff and he said we're gonna build a powerhouse with oil money that's literally what he said and that's what he's doing and, you know, so on, and you go down the list, and you keep looking, and you look at all these Lincoln Riley, super big into NIL. You look at uh, Cristobal at Oregon was probably doing stuff. I don't know. Like, Miami's going to be fun now. Uh, Dan Lanning, the first thing he did was 
organize meetups for boosters and all that stuff like you know those galas and fundraisers football programs do uh it's really about rubbing elbows with the wealthiest donors and it sucks like no one wants college football to be a process of who has the most money wins the championship it's it's probably not ideal for the sport but it's not going to change the pecking order all that much like yeah tennessee might get a quarterback for eight million dollars but you know what's going to come back to reality is when that eight million dollar quarterback doesn't work out for the first time yeah so which is uh very possible and that's i'm not saying i'm not wishing nico i am i can't even say his last name right now any ill will but like you know, once you tag that eight million dollars to you, it's going to be a very, very prominent target on your back. So it, it's it's the balance. And I like I think you said in our Slack chat, like there were some like parts of his complaints that were incredibly valid. Like his worries were valid. But then you do that and then you go and then you talk about players not getting paid because you're the CEO of Delta and their luggage carriers. Like that's the stuff for me that I'm like, you can't survive that way. You can't, you can't do it. No, not at all. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not going to be this mass exodus, right? When we talk about Clemson going downhill, they're not going to go from a championship contender to a two loss program, right? No. Dabble is too good of a coach for that. I, I, I do think, but all it takes is is one recruit or, or two recruits, right? I mean, we we see it with Ohio State, like losing, like look at the offensive tackles losing one battle for a five star offensive tackle. Look what it has now done for the roster. You don't need five, ten players not to go to Clemson. You just need one defensive lineman not to go there. You just need one corner, one wide receiver not to go there per class for their class to go from you know, two five stars to one from 15, four stars to 12 for them to no longer be relevant in national championship for Pittsburgh, for Wake Forest, for some of those other teams. And the thing is, they were not a 10 win team last year, but some of the teams couldn't capitalize. There was still a little bit of fear yeah. of Clemson. Now that they're wounded, that fear is not going to be there. Those teams are going to get better. I mean, look at what um, we don't know if it's going to be good, but look at what Pittsburgh did. They had the best quarterback in a long time in their history, and then they immediately go out and get uh, who did they get from the transfer portal? Caden uh, Slovis, a big man quarterback who can throw. They lost their offensive coordinator and replaced him uh, with someone with the big name. They still have Jordan Addison. So these teams like Wake Forest. They tasted greatness. They're not going to just disappear. North Carolina had a bad year, but they have some guys, some really highly recruited guys who are now in their second or third year, especially on defense. Uh, And and they have, I I don't know his name, but I'm pretty sure they got a really good quarterback recruit in the last two years who's supposed to take over for Sam Howe. So they have to play some of the better teams in the ACC this year. They're going to have to play Boston College really going to team keep getting better. in the ACC championship. They have to play Notre Dame, and I know you have your question marks about them, but Notre Dame's going to be looking to prove themselves. Clemson's going to be that's going to be a big game with national pecking order stuff on it. So it, it's interesting, and you know, I, I just think the coaches 
who are open to NIL, not all of them are going to be successful, but you can't be closed off to it. You can't be closed off to the transfer portal. Like you have to be able to utilize every open avenue on making your team better or you're going to fall behind because that's what Nick Saban does. And everyone's playing catch up with him. Uh, Yeah, Georgia won last year, but we still know which world we're living in. It's Saban's world. And if you're not willing to play the games to catch up to him, you're just going to fall behind. Yep. And I think, again, it's, I mean, it went from 12 and 0 to 10 and 2. Then it could be 9 and 3. Then it could, it's going to be, dynasties fall slow. Yeah. Dynasties fall slow. But eventually it's going to get to a point where Clemson's no longer uh, the number one team in the nation. Clemson's no longer preseason top 10. It may take some time, but by 2025, 2026, when that when that 12 team playoff is starting to come, it's going to be like, all right, Clemson's no longer the favorite. Cle- like, that's going to be yep. a thing uh, that, that it's going to happen. It's not going to be immediate. So, but I don't think that they can survive like this. Um, with Dabo keep running his mouth, keep putting his foot in his mouth with not taking any transfers, missing on recruits, that kind of stuff. I think, um, I think it's going to go downhill. Yeah. So we got to talk down on Notre Dame again on a show. We got to talk down on Clemson. So we check those two things off the list again in the off season. We love to do it. Um, but let's get into some final thoughts. You know, the spring game always brings some big time visits. Uh, I, I put a list in here of some of the bigger names. Um, Dylan Rayola is actually coming as well. Who's not on this list from this list, from any recruits you've seen visiting, Who's the one guy you think this weekend could sway into committing soon? I have my answer, so uh, you go first. Uh, actually, you go first. Right. I want to look something up. So I think Austin Sarevold's going to commit soon, and I think the spring game's kind of like that last, like, oh, my God, I'm home. This is Ohio State. I'm an Ohio kid. I'm going to be here, and he's going to start. He's going to be fries. He's a 300. He's in the 300s. He's like right at the borderline. He's ranked higher in some services. You know how that happens with offensive linemen. Very hard to project him. But I do think Saraveld is the next guy who commits. And I think it's going to come very soon. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to look up something. My guy is uh, Dylan Rayola. And I have. Two or three things to say about this. First of all, we already talked about this the last show I was on. I'm heightest and I'm weightest for my quarterbacks. Yeah, Dylan is 6'3", 225. <laughs> Perfect. Can't That's all I want. Jaden Davis, Jaden Davis is six foot one eighty five. Now, I'd be happy if he was. I, I let me actually let me not lie. I would accept that if he was a wide receiver. Like, like that was that. Like he, like I don't want my quarterback to look like Chris Olave. Come on now, yeah. Like stop it. I don't want that. I, I don't. I don't. I want, I so want him to kind of. What's the build? I want him to look real trunky. I, I and then get narrow as he gets up. That's what I want. Yeah, I, and this no disrespect to Jaden Davis. He's the number one quarterback in the country He's for good. a reason. He's down. I don't want. I don't want my quarterback to look like my wide receivers. I want you to see my quarterback and say that's a quarterback. Uh, also. I mean, I just think it's hilarious. I don't know that many people know this because I put it in the chat and people didn't know this. Dylan is a double Nebraska legacy. His dad is one of the best players in Nebraska history. He's an All-American, 14-year NFL veteran, offensive lineman. His uncle is now the offensive line coach at Nebraska. And I didn't look into his uncle because it's his uncle, but he's either 
he either played at Nebraska or he played college football somewhere for him to be the Nebraska offensive line coach. Your dad is a legacy, one of the better players in their history. Um, and he's 17 or 18. His dad played 14 years in the league. That means his dad was probably around in the last few years that Nebraska was actually good. Um, if you do the math on that, uh, his uncle is the offensive line coach and Nebraska probably has no shot of getting him. That is just you know how I feel about Scott Frost. I, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I, my my dad could be the president of Nebraska, and if I was the number three quarterback in the I nation, I wouldn't go for us. Yeah, but like, regardless, he fits the profile. He's really good, uh, and you could spur Nebraska. I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I like that. I think Rayola. <laughs> I mean, he's already got the crystal balls. Uh, I think the. Interesting thing is he's a 2024 recruit. Does he commit this early? Does he commit over this summer? I mean, it would be nice and relaxing for him to just start building that next class and just kind of being a leader in that regard. So he's a big name. Uh, this is a fun one, and I think that's it for me on the day. Matai Uangalele, he was definitely leaning Clemson because his brother went there. Apparently, Dabo or whoever was recruiting him had been not in contact with him for a month or two, according to Big Dave or Big Dave's brother. Uh, so crazy stuff. I don't know how true that is. You know, a lot of this stuff spews for message boards. Sometimes insiders are on it as well, kind of confirming it lightly, but not going too crazy on it because they don't want to lose access. Uh, don't they have a cousin, too? Yeah, his he's the quarterback, uh, Tennessee Nico Nico Iamaeva. Oh, that's who yeah. that is. He's the cousin. Okay. Uh, okay. Matayo right. is coming, and he really likes Larry Johnson. He really does, and we know Larry's getting a little older. But does Larry have a little bit of magic left? While the California kid, you know, he'll probably be looking at USC very heavily. He'll probably be looking at like even if Clemson messes up, if they get back in it. He'll have time because DJ's not going pro this year. We all know it. Um, could play with his brother. Uh, but regardless, he's a very talented defensive lineman. I would love to see some momentum with him after this spring game visit. Yeah, I honestly don't know too much about him, to be completely honest. So I'm going to have to look at him. I, I recognize his name, obviously, when it came when it when I looked at the thing, but I just don't know too much about him. The two names that stuck out to me. Ty Lockwood and Walker Lyons. We already talked about how we need two tight ends. I would like to get both of them. The the thing before we wrap up, I just want to say, and, and I want to clarify that not coming to the spring game means nothing because there are a million other times to visit. Yep. Is there one name on here that you're kind of like a little bit salty or upset that they're not there? Uh, for uh, me, you know, you may not guess who it is, but when I say it, it's not going to surprise yeah, you. It's probably Carnell Tate for me. I, I'd say I feel like I'm a little salty. He's not Wasn't he just game, there, but he was just there. Yeah, yeah, and he's in Florida. That uh, that doesn't bother me. I get why, he but like he came during spring break and stuff. So yeah. So for me, it's Samson Okinola because he hasn't come yet. Yeah, and he's already been at Michigan State. Like you've already traveled from the East Coast to the Midwest, and, and it's like. Come and on, and yeah. I don't know that Michigan State was an official visit. And as long as we get on his visit list, it doesn't matter. But it's like, man, we ain't seen him yet. And he's already and he is traveling. He's already made it to the Midwest. Uh, that just to me, I haven't heard any not like crystal balls, obviously, but I haven't really heard any movement in that. Yeah. I'm not a recruiting expert. Uh, we're insiders when we want to be, but like I don't know the ins and outs. But I just can't imagine that that's a guy that we're not in on. Um 
And so that one hurts a little bit that I just haven't heard anything about him because that's my guy. Like, that is my guy in the class. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted him bad. Um, but yeah, I think that that's just kind of, well, the only reason Tate makes me mad is because, like, oh, uh, hey, the, like, there were some rumors he, we weren't recruiting him hard enough anymore. Uh, I, I don't vibe with that. Uh, and I, I give, like, maybe he's not there because of that. Maybe he wasn't there because he wasn't there recently. I mean, Luke Montgomery lives in Ohio, so he's at everything. Uh, Josh Petit is yeah. the same way. Like, uh, so when you see the Ohio kids, they're going to come to all these events and they're going to recruit for you. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good list. Uh, there's going to be that summer big recruiting weekend that they have every year or whatever. Now that barbecue, the Buckeye barbecue. So still a lot of opportunities to make some noise this summer. Uh, but yeah, spring game is going to be fun. I wish Tag Curtis was there for this one. I know his visit scheduled for the end of the month. Uh, yeah, uh, you know the other thing that's kind of surprising to me um, is like Ohio State just not trying to flip the D end that that's going to Notre Dame. Like, is there just no relationship there? Nah, doesn't seem like it. He's gotten bigger. He's not an edge player anymore. Really? Yeah. He's a DT. Uh, it's uh, he's just he's listed DL, but he's like two eighty five now, two seventy five. Ooh, wow, yeah, he's gonna go inside. I just thought it was interesting. It just seems like you know that they've kind of given up on him, and I, I understand like he's one of those players that what's happened sometimes in Northeast Ohio because there's more Catholic schools there than other places. He's one of those guys that's like really into the Catholic thing. And so uh, I don't know that he really looked too much into Ohio State. It just typically even guys who are like, okay, we know they're going somewhere else. You still yeah, go after them. For sure. And it just seems like from the start, Ohio State would just like, ah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's big recruit. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I, I – that's the thing. I've seen a lot of names start popping up that I wasn't really high on, and now they're popping up and Ohio State's on their radar. So you know how that goes. Like, there's obviously the early targets, and you miss on them. We'll see. But, yeah, big recruiting weekend. I think that's it for me today. You got anything else, Jordan? No, that's it. Just, ha- just happy to be back on the show. I cannot wait for the spring game. It's my first one ever. I hope it doesn't disappoint. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that's it. You can follow me on social media at Chris Rennie CFP. You can follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Uh, Jordan, where we find you? Uh, Jordan W330. Perfect. And that's it for us. I'll see you guys next week. Yes, sir. Go Bucks. <laughs>